Today, uh, uh, we might get to the problem of presumption, but uh, I want to finish up last uh, Sunday's uh, lesson. And uh, it was entitled, Tooting Your Own Horn. And again, our testimonies are not to uh, be just tooting our own horn, but how God has worked in our hearts and lives through the, uh, the years, and we're actually to- tooting God's horn. And uh, it's not uh, what we've done, but what God has done in us and for us and through us. Uh, we looked at the aging David. Uh, David was old and stricken in years, <clears throat> 70 years old. That's, uh, that's pretty old. Wow. Uh, and then uh, uh, we talked about how that uh, we're to be yielded to, to the Lord, dependent on him. Uh, David uh, had some uh, issues with circulation. He could not get warm, and so uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, medical uh, solution that they came up with. An attendant was sought, and the Bashag was chose to help David with his physical ailments. And then we talked about the ambition of Adonijah, and this is where uh, we got into the area of tooting your own horn. That's what Adonijah was doing. He said, I will be king. And we looked at the folly of exalting oneself, and we found that there were some scriptural warnings about self-exaltation, in other words, strutting our feathers like a peacock, and then the failure of discipline. That's kind of where we were uh, talking about uh, sparing the rod because David certainly did not discipline his sons, uh, and uh, they uh, were rebellious and misbehaving, and that's what happens when there is a lack of discipline in, in uh in the lives of our children. And David's neglect was brought, has brought the rod upon himself. So uh, we're picking up from there, and uh, we notice, again, uh, Adonijah says, I'm going to be king, and so uh, he comes up with this great big coronation, and uh, they offer sacrifices, and they seal an action with a uh, with a great ceremony uh, that he says, I'm going to be the king. Now, just because one would seal an action with a religious ceremony uh, doesn't make it to be approved by God or being God's will. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you're living a life that is honoring to the Lord. You say, well, I go to church every Sunday. I, I, you can even read your Bible every, every day doesn't mean your lifestyle or your actions are being approved by God. Uh, it's more than that. You know, labeling something as Christian does not make it necessarily Christian. Uh, doesn't make it Christ-like. Doesn't make it approved by God. Uh, you could have Christian Day at Bikini Beach. Uh, that doesn't make it a Christian event. Uh, uh, churches are filled with religious people who are not born again any activity or entertainment or relationship with a person that contradicts Bible teaching uh, or the principle of God's will uh, is, is not going to be uh, God-honoring. It's not going to be Christian. You see, God never leads us to contradict his word. You say, well, I don't care what the Bible says. This is what I 
believe is right. Well, you better care what the Bible says because that's, that's what's right. What we feel, what we think is not necessarily right unless it uh, lines up with God's Word. You know, uh, dating and marrying or going into business partnerships with unsaved people contradicts God's Word. It's not the will of God for the believer. Many have thought, well, I know better than God on this matter. I know what I know, and I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what God says. I just know what I feel, and uh, that's most important to me. Well, our feelings should not trump Bible truth. And so they become greatly distressed and disappointed and depressed because they did not obey God in that manner. And there's all kinds of problems that can come about. So number four, then, was the avoidance that came. Look down at verse 10. But Nathan the prophet and Benaniah the, and the mighty men of Solomon, his brother, he called not. So he had this great big ceremony, had this great big goings, a party and so forth. But he did not call Nathan and Benaniah and the mighty men uh, of David and Solomon. Uh, in verse 8, you go back there, it says, But Zadok the priest and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada and Nathan the prophet and Shimei and Rei uh, and the mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. Ever been left out? Ever been left out of something? Maybe... Maybe you didn't get invited to a, uh, a, a gathering, uh, you know, or a party or something, or somebody, you know, you heard about this party that these people were having, and hey, they didn't invite me. Why didn't they invite me? Uh, I took a bath this week, uh, you know. Well, it's no fun to be left out. And Solomon and his supporters were conveniently left out, left out and obviously... Uh, Solomon was next in line for the throne. If we go to First Chronicles, and uh, uh, you've got it there on the screen, First Chronicles 22 and verse 9 and 10, uh, we notice what it says uh, there. Uh, it says, uh, Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies round about. For his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. He shall build an house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, David had made the promise to Bathsheba about Solomon. And if you were Bathsheba or you were Solomon, uh, wouldn't you kind of let everyone know about that? I think that would have been an exciting news. Adoniah knew the truth. But he tries to usurp the throne by proclaiming himself as king, and he's tooting his own horn. He doesn't invite Solomon. Thinks if I don't invite him and I don't invite all these people that uh, are really uh, supposed to be a part of the king kingdom, uh, then uh, we'll just ignore them. And uh, actually. He was bound to protect him by their laws of hospitality. I think there are two key points here uh, that we need to think about in relationship to our uh, actions. Are we guilty of actions or activities which are rebellious, selfish, or sinful? Well, those kind of things grieve the Holy Spirit by our indifference and stubborn obedience. 
And then don't be surprised if the world doesn't want you around. You know, many unsaved people are not comfortable in the presence of godly Christians. Uh, some, uh, and you perhaps have noted this when you've been someplace at school or at work or someplace, and they know you're a Christian, but they don't want anything to do with you. Uh, some will even come to the point of hating you because you stand uh, for the Lord. Uh, John fifteen nineteen says, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own, because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Uh, your life may be a source of conviction. Uh, when you're around people who are not saved, they, that might be convicting. I know that uh, there have been times uh, when uh, I've had jobs, or I back, remember back in college, uh, I was uh, uh, at a university, a state university, but I was looking at, at some point to go to seminary. But uh, uh, So I was taking some classes that would prepare me for, for that. Um, uh, the Lord did not lead me to the seminary, which I thought I was interested in. I'm glad he didn't because it's, it was a liberal uh, a seminary. But anyway, I was taking an English class, and my English teacher had kind of a foul mouth at times, and uh, he would say some word or something that was not appropriate, you know. And, oh, sorry, we got a pre-seminary student here. I, I forgot, you know. Or uh, I've been with, uh, in uh, chaplaincy with law enforcement officers who don't always have the, the best language, and uh, my writing with them sometimes would kind of uh, be a conviction to them about the way they talked. And they said, uh, excuse my, and they always use that word, excuse my French. Well, it's not French at all. It's just, it's just bad language. It's just uh, blasphemy, and it's just cursing. And uh, so your life could be uh, a point of, a source of conviction. First Peter 4.14, if ye be reproached by the uh, for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. And then some people might even consider you a fool or a nut. Oh, you're just a nut. You, don't, you believe that stuff? Uh, that's, uh, you can't believe that. You must be a nut. Well, 1 Corinthians 4.10 says, We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. And then in verse 13, it says, Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and of the offscouring of all things unto this day. Hebrews 10.33 says, Partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst that ye become companions of them that are, were so used. And so there are some times when we, uh, we may not be invited and we probably should be thankful that we're not invited to some of those things, uh, you know. And if you uh, if feel like you're left out, I think there are some things that we can learn uh, even from this, some principles. Now, the question is, are we under stress and guilt from sin? I think that's what David's biggest problem was, uh, uh, and it caused some physical problems. Well, if we're under stress, we're under guilt, we need to seek God's forgiveness, uh, are we living for the Lord? Uh, are we uh, serving the Lord? 
And I, I encourage the young people here especially, serve the Lord now. Don't say, oh, you know, I'll do that sometime later. Now's the time to serve the Lord and, uh, and not uh, live a life that you will someday regret that you didn't live for the Lord when you had an opportunity. And are you exalting yourself and tooting your own horn? Well, stop before you fall. Humble yourself before the Lord. James 4, 6 says, for, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So uh, that uh, uh, concludes the, our first lesson. And so uh, we'll just move right on into the second lesson, because it's very closely associated with what's going on here with Adonijah, as we continue in verses 11 through 53. Now, uh, when you know something is wrong, what we need to do is quickly make it right, uh, or if someone points something out to us, you know, that's not what God's Word says, or that's not right. Sometimes we might use that Philosophy, well, it's none of your business. It, uh, I mean, I don't, or you might see something that's going wrong and you say, well, that's none of my business. That's their problem. I don't want to get involved. Well, in chapter one here, we find Adonijah exalting himself again and making himself king of Israel. He has his military support of Joab, he has the religious support of the priest uh, Abiathar, and uh, he held a great feast as we. I've mentioned already, he had everyone there except Solomon, Zadok, Benaniah, Nathan, David's mighty men. And so we find Nathan here is going to act quickly, get involved. He's not going to say, well, that's none of my business. Uh, he says, uh, he's not going to say, well, I don't want to get involved. But he does act quickly and he informs Queen Bathsheba of what's going on. And he, uh, Adonijah, will we'll see here, encounters some problems from presumption. So the first thing we notice here is the uprising of Bathsheba in verse 11. It says, Wherefore Nathan spake unto Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Hast thou not heard that Adonijah the son of Hageth doth reign, and David our Lord knoweth it not? Uh, David and Bathsheba were unaware of what is happening. Nathan brings it to their attention. He, he does his job uh, as a prophet of God. He keeps watch. Uh, he courageously speaks up when it's time to do so. And he knows that Solomon is to be the next king. So we then move on to the advice of Nathan in verse 12. Verse 12, Now therefore come, let me, I pray thee, give thee counsel, that thou mayest save thine own life and the life of thy son Solomon. Go and get thee into unto King David, and say unto him, Didst not thou, my lord, O king, swear unto thine handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne? Why then doth Adonijah reign? Behold, while thou yet talkest there with the king, I also will come in after thee and confirm thy words. Now, this is kind of part of uh, the culture there in the Middle East. Uh, in the Middle East, potential claimants to the throne are often executed. Uh, if someone says, I'm going to be the king, 
uh, but they don't really have a right to being a king, they're often put to death. And uh, if uh, that was the case with Solomon, Solomon and Bathsheba, uh, if they said, well, we're, uh, Solomon is supposed to be the king, uh, they could be put to death by Adonijah and his crew. So their lives were in jeopardy. And uh, Nathan offers them counsel to save their lives. You know, a good counsel is always important. We, we need good counsel. We need to be careful where we get our counsel from. Uh, not everything on the Internet is true. Did you know that? All right. So uh, be careful about getting counsel from the Internet. There are some good things, but there are a lot of bad things. Good counsel is important. Uh, the Bible teaches us that it gives safety in Proverbs eleven fourteen, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Uh, maybe you get uh, counsel from one person and, and you say, well, that sounds like a good thing. Maybe I should talk to somebody else. Now, if they both disagree, then what do you do? Uh, well, which one lines up with God's word, for, first of all, and perhaps another uh, input would ha be helpful. So it gives safety. Multitude of counselors, there is safety. Uh, it gives wisdom. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. And the best counsel you can get is from God's word. Uh, and so uh, search the scriptures. Uh, don't just say, well, I, this is the way I think it should happen, or this is what, how I feel. This is my opinion. Well, our opinion is not worth much, usually. It's what God's Word says. Nathan's plan was to report the matters to David and make two witnesses to confirm his words, Bathsheba and Nathan. That brings us to the audience with the king in verses 15 through 27. Now, this is kind of a lengthy uh, portion here to, to read, so we'll uh, not do that, but just go on with uh, the explanation of it. While Adonijah is having his party, his barbecue, or whatever, uh, his, his, his big to-do, Nathan informs the king that he's about to lose power and authority. Uh, he says, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, doth reign, and our Lord knoweth it not. There we read that in verse uh, 14, or, or verse uh, uh, 13. And uh, so here what we have is a problem. And the problem is, first of all, with ignorance. You know, uh, sometimes we say ignorance is bliss, you know, the, and sometimes the less you know, the, the better off you are. But there can be a problem with, with ignorance because, first of all, ignorance creates problems. Some problems have eternal consequences. For instance, uh, I read about uh, a, a, a man who was uh, a paraplegic. Uh, they, uh, his nickname was Old Rattlebones. And uh, he was called that by a group of boys. And these boys, they uh, thought they were really smart. And uh, they had a ringleader, leader, and his name was Freddie. And uh, quite worried with, uh, with the old man heading for his home, of course, and... Uh, uh, he, uh, the, the boys were with Freddie, and they began to yell at the old man. Go on, old rattlebones. Uh, see who cares if you talk to my mother. You know, they were, he's going to let them know that uh, 
uh, let their parents know that they, he was, they were bothering him and calling him names. Well, the man said, uh, you wouldn't call me names if you knew what caused my situation. Here's a man who was not uh, physically well, and he, he walked uh, uh, kind of funny, and these boys were making fun of him. Well, he had an opportunity at one point to tell Freddie uh, his story. He said, years ago when I was just a baby, uh, uh, the nurse took me out of my carriage for a ride near the rivers, and when she let go of the, the buggy, the carriage, for a moment, it suddenly went down a hill, and before she could catch up with it, it plunged into the water below. And, and uh, uh, there, uh, there was a struggle, and, uh, and uh, I was able to be taken out of there, but the water was freezing, and it, it aggravated uh, uh, my, my uh, condition. And so later on, I could hardly walk. I could just hobble along. And uh, he says, that's why you're calling me old rattlebones, because uh, of what happened. Well, see, ignorance of consequences causes many heartaches many times, maybe trouble. And there are many people that are ignorant of God's salvation through Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so important for us to be the testimony and witness that we need to be, is because people are ignorant of God's salvation. And their ignorance has eternal consequences. The wisdom, the philosophy, and the reasoning of this world make people spiritually blind and ignorant. 1 Corinthians 1.21 says, after that, uh, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Ephesians 4.17 and 18, This I say, therefore... And testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. People, and many times this includes Christians, are ignorant of the Scriptures because they don't take time to read and to study them. And the result of their ignorance is often making foolish decisions. Secondly, there's the ignorance of God's will. Uh, in reading the book of Numbers, uh, as I've been reading through Scripture uh, uh, and uh, came through Numbers, came to the story of Balaam. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Numbers twenty-two thirty-four. Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, I knew not that thou stoodest in the way. Remember uh, uh, Balaam and his donkey, and uh, the donkey would not go. And, of course, uh, he could not see the angel of the Lord. But he said, uh, if it displease thee, I will get thee back again. Uh, God was using, actually, his word to reveal his will. And so we need to be in God's word so we know what God's will is for our lives. Again, uh, you, won't just, uh, you can't just ignore uh, the Bible, and expect to know God's will. God, show me your will. Waiting. Well, the basic way to get to know God's will is to know his word. Knowing his word will show you what God's will is for your life. And then ignorance of the Lord. 
Uh, it's a sad thing that uh, when young people and children are ignorant of the Lord. How many uh, young people uh, know, uh, you know, many of us grew up maybe in Sunday school, uh, but there are millions of children today, uh, they don't know the Lord, they're ignorant of the Lord. All they know is uh, the Power Rangers or some, uh, he, you know, cartoon character, uh, but they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest uh, uh, one to ever uh, be on this earth. In 1 Samuel 2.22, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. What does it mean when they were the sons of Belial? That means they were perverse. They were wicked. They were the devil's children. They knew not the Lord. And some children are ignorant of the Lord because their parents don't have them in church. Parents usually get out of church right before uh, the teen years of their kids and and the hardness of parents has a destructive effect on their children. So children don't know, the, don't know the Lord. And then there's the ignorance of God's blessings. They are ignorant of God's power and promises. They are in the dark of what God has done, can do, and wants to do. Judges 2.10, also, uh, and also that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, and yet the works which he had done for Israel. Some folks are ignorant of what God, uh, the Lord blessed them with because of their selfishness, their ungratefulness, their bitterness, their anger, their problems. Listen, we need to count our blessings. Genesis 28, 16, And Jacob waked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And so the eyes were upon David, waiting for his direct, the direction and leadership and uh, the world's looking for direction and leadership today. Uh, the world says that in their songs, in their poems, in their movies, and they're looking for joy and love and peace and tolerance and patience. Well, those are all great things, but they're looking for them in the wrong place. All those things that the world is seeking really are found in Christ. And so uh, only when a dead king's wishes were unknown, could the, claim, uh, the son claim the right of succession, as we'll find here. And that's why David needed to publicly announce uh, Solomon as king. We're going to stop there, and uh, we'll pick up from here next week, the Lord willing. So let's